Good evening from my side. My name is Gideon. I'm one of the leaders here at the Linwood Congregation. I hope you had a great weekend. Um, on our way here, uh, told release. Um, it, it's a privilege what I'm about to say, but it's also um, busy. Um, so yesterday I was at Lama Lama Lima Lima. It's a it's a bush lodge, and I jogged in the morning, and I saw um, giraffes. Uh, I was going camels, but I know it's not. <laughs> no one would have believed me. Um, I saw giraffes, three of them, and as I was jogging, they just stared at me and I stared at them um, because they told me that there is buffaloes, um, but they didn't tell me there's giraffes. So now I'm wondering, they warned me about the buffaloes, but what is a giraffe doing if I'm in their um, space? Are they going to kick me? Um, I survived, so today we're in Pretoria, and then tomorrow we are in Durban. Um, so you're just thankful for, for what God is doing in this church. Uh, our elders is busy, although this weekend they were at an elders breakaway, so busy planning, praying for the year uh, that's that's coming, so you can just keep them in there in your prayers. So last week may, we maybe shared something about Donnie's health. Uh, he's doing better, uh, we're still praying for him for full, um, just healing just his heart rate not coming down but but he's doing better so we're just thankful for that so just thank you for everyone's prayers um so tonight we are gonna speak about this topic god's sovereignty and uh it's quite a weighty topic so i felt like i had different titles uh so this was the one god's sovereignty and then the, the next one is uh who's the captain now um, but it just felt too light. So it just felt too light for this title, for this sermon. And I really felt, uh, let's say, the last month of what God wants to bring uh, to us. And um, that's my prayer, that God's word really come and imprint in our hearts tonight. Now, let's stick to God's sovereignty. Now, this word sovereign, it's it's actually like a combination of a Latin word uh, sover and uh, reign, which means to rule. And uh, these two speaks about who is the supreme ruler. And if we say God is sovereign, we say God is the supreme ruler. And uh, a question I want to propose to you now is asking this question, who or what rules you? Who is the ruler in your life? What, what rules you? What, who makes the decisions? Who and or what rules you? And this concept of God's sovereignty is really made up into th from three concepts. For God to be sovereign, he has to be all-powerful. Okay, that's the one. For God to be sovereign, he has to be all-knowing. Okay, but it can't just be those two. The last one is he has to have all authority to be able to work out this knowledge and power. So it's, it's those three, all-powerful, all-knowing, and then he has to have freedom. He has to have authority to do as he please. His will to be worked out. God is sovereign. And this actually gives us a challenge. Because if God is sovereign and he is all-powerful, he is all-knowing, and he is free to do as he please, then there's two challenges that we get from that. And it's really, it feels like this tension. If God is this, then how can they be on the one side free will if God is all-knowing, all-powerful and has all authority? How can we as mankind, 
how can we have free will? How can we make our own decisions? How much decisions do we have? Uh, can I decide what decisions I make? Or decide the decisions that I need to decide about? Okay. A free will, you can go into a rabbit hole there. The other tension is then, if God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and he has all authority, why do we have this concept of pain? Why, is, why do we have the presence of pain in, in this world if we worship this great and awesome, gracious God, all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-authority? Why do we have pain? And this looks like a conundrum between these two tensions of free will of man and the presence of pain in our lives. And uh, we're going to read together uh, a passage that I believe speaks into this uh, in a way that it also the disciples of Jesus, they had experience uh, with God, a revelation, and I believe resolved this tension. So we're going to go to Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. So you can open up your Bibles there. It's also going to be on the screen. Mark 4, verse 35 to 41. And um, before I, I do go read that, I would like to pray for us. His Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for you, but I want to specifically thank you now for your word, Lord, that it is truly profitable for our teaching for training in godliness for correction and reproof it guides us lord in how we can live how we should live but more than that lord it guides us to who you are jesus and i pray tonight that the preaching would imprint your truth lord that it would imprint in our hearts something new something afresh uh, of our trust in you our faith in you specifically in this topic of you are sovereign God. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to read that together. It's a, it's a familiar story, uh, but, but before we read that, I want to give a bit of context so that you know what's happening. Now, before this, you can, can page back. You'll see that Jesus is really preaching on the side of uh, the Sea of Galilee, and he is giving like this lot of parables, great sermons, really uh, powerful preaching so this is like someone you would drive to to go and listen to okay so and people actually walked there and there was a great crowd that started to gather uh, and then it you would see if you read that whole chapter four of just a number of people that came and then we get to uh, this part in verse 35 on that day when evening had come he said to them let us go across to the other side and leaving the crowd they took him with them in the boat just as he was and other boats were with him and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling but he that's Jesus he was stern asleep he was in the stern asleep on the cushion and they woke him and said to him teacher do you not care that we are perishing and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea 
obey him. Just a familiar story of disciples on the boat. Jesus instructed them, go to the other side. They followed him and then they meet the storm. And just back to this tension of free will versus suffering. And, and, and in this story, we see the concept of storms coming in. We see the emotions rise up. But I want to really give us three things, three truths uh, from the scripture that helps us resolve this tension to an extent. And uh, there's a reason why I say to extent. So firstly is that God provides direction. When we are faced with this tension, when we are faced with things in life, God's word provides direction. So we may have free will, but in that God is providing direction. And Mark 4 is 35, Jesus spoke to them and says, let us go to the other side. That is a direct instruction to the disciples. And, and as I was like reading this, I'm like, Yo, that is very clear. Let us go to the other side. The disciples knew exactly what to do, where to go. They were fishermen, so they knew about boats, get on a boat, go to the other side. And then I wished Jesus would speak like that to me, like so specifically, um, maybe you think like what to do next, where to go, uh, maybe take this opportunity uh, go for that interview, uh, go ask that lady if you're still um, not married, uh, if you're single, uh, it would be weird for me to do it. Um, who, who should I go ask on a date? What if God said, you have to ask this lady or you have to marry this man or these, these things that I think would have helped if God spoke more specifically. You have to go now to this nation. It would have just been helpful for us. And I was like reflecting on this and, and actually just like thinking of how many things in the Bible actually applies to us. So there's really enough things to obey in the Bible. If you go and read this book back to front, there's a lot of things to obey. There's a lot of things to obey God, to read his word, to, to, to follow the instruction and God's direction within his word will always direct us towards a certain place, a certain direction. And that direction, it is usually not very comfortable. This direction where God is pointing us through his word, it is not fun. It is not easy. And the reason I say that is because the world is actually going in that direction. And that's where most people go they they go in this direction and what i mean with that is that people tend to follow the path of least resistance a practical example of this the least resistance i expect in the morning is to stay in bed it it is not to go and and get up and jog and do to exercise and to be healthy it is not the path of least resistance it's the path of the most resistance um, it helps if your wife is passionate about running and then it, it helps, but it doesn't do the thing. Um, the trick that my wife learned is to get me running before I am awake. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then I'm actually on the run. I only say good morning. But, but what I'm saying here is that God's word is directing us always towards holiness, always towards his image, always towards his will. See, when God speaks, he doesn't speak towards what is good for you in the terms of what is best for my 
feelings or for my comfort. No, he's always going to direct us towards his holiness, towards his purposes. And, and as I was just thinking of all the things, like if we don't obey the general word of God, why would we obey the specific? If we don't obey what God has already provided to mankind, if we don't obey what is already re- revealed to us through his word, why would specific obedience help us in that sense? Because God has already spoken. It's actually a miracle that we have the Bible with us and it's already been given to us as a gift. If we don't obey the general, we, we won't obey the specific. Uh, Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamb to my feet. It is a light to my path. And this is such a beautiful picture because that's many times how the word of God leads us. It, it, it's not like a spotlight so you can see the specific thing, but it's usually just a close lamb and more than going for the goal, we're following a person. And that's when we read the word, when the word guides us, we are really following step by step as the word leads us. We're following step by step. We're following the lamb that is just in front of our feet. So Jesus was very specifically directing his disciples. And just back to the context is that when Jesus was saying to them, let's go to the other side. I think they thought something like this. Jesus, I don't think we should go now. We have a great ministry here. We, we can take up offerings now. We can, we can provide for everyone. We have a big crowd. So it's the success that they see around them. And then Jesus, no, we, we're leaving this and we're going to the other side where there's no ministry success. There's no easy path for them. There's no, uh, no thing happening that side. But Jesus said, let us go to the other side. See, the free will of man shows us that we do need some sort of direction. We all are longing for God to direct us. God, what, is, what should we do? What is our next move? Show me your ways. And um, I said that God doesn't speak that specifically, but it, but it usually does also. There's the general revelation, but then there's times where God speak specifically it can be about your vocation when god said go and do this go and uh, become a doctor i'm calling you to become a doctor i'm calling you to become a lawyer i'm calling you to uh, for me go into vocational ministry there was a specific call that i had to obey and and i trust and i hope that you grow in your relationship with god so that you can discern what are the specific things that God's leading you to, but it will always build on your general obedience. The second example is uh, last year, uh, I really felt we had some some depth uh, that we studied there and a few other depth that, that God really pressed on my heart to, to say, it is now time to pay this off. Now, it's not the most easiest thing to pay off debt. It is quite hard and everyone would tell me, like accountants who would do the math, say, you're going to lose on interest. Because it's not, it's not the, the, if you don't do the finances, it's not going to work out. Like you're going to lose money if I pay off this earlier, because you can rather do it in a different way. Anyway, but I just really found God told me, pay off your debt. And it was a sacrifice. I had, like, I had to drink less coffee, 
we had to not eat out. We have to pasta. I love pasta, so that wasn't a sacrifice for me, but 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 a bit more for release. Um, but there was a sacrifice to follow the the command of God in this specific thing. And by the grace of God, it was a miracle in the speed that we were able to pay off uh, the debt. So we're really thankful that we're debt free. Um, yeah, just thankful for that. And then there's also examples in your lives where the Holy Spirit prompts you. He's saying, have this conversation, pray for this person. We, we need to allow God to really come and direct us. But God's word always provides a direction. See, when Jesus directed his disciples, he, he gave them a word, let us go to the other side. And that command led them into the storm. So Jesus was really like sending his disciples into the storm. So first we see that God's word provides direction. And secondly, God's will allows storms. See, many times we think that storms is a bad thing and it's it sometimes it is but it is really god's will that allows it if there's nothing that happens in your life that god has not allowed otherwise it wouldn't have ha happened if god doesn't allow something it doesn't happen mark 4 verse 37 and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling the disciples they knew the sea so they were actually at an advantage and a disadvantage. On the one side, they knew the seas. That's an advantage. They knew the seas. The disadvantage is they knew the seas. They knew the storms. They knew that if a storm comes up, it is, it is hectic. And, and more than it's like this knowledge thing for them, they most likely had relatives uh, that passed away or people they knew that was already kept in the storms. Because storms is quite common on the Sea of Galilee. It's 200 meters below sea level, and then there's this mountains around it. And then winds would come over the mountain, drop down, and then quick storms would arise. That is really life-threatening. So when the disciples were in this moment, when the windstorm arose, they really felt this, this, this uh, distress. They felt worried. They felt fear rising inside of them. A storm arises, and... This, it's almost seems like the disciples are fighting the storm off and asking this question, where is Jesus? So everyone is like pouring out buckets. Everyone is holding on to the, the, the mass of the boat. Everyone is like holding on. But where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? And, and maybe you feel sometimes like that, asking this question when you go through storms and you go through pain and you go through suffering. Where is God? Why is this happening? Where is he? Why is he so absent when I go through this suffering, go through this, this, this trouble, this danger that we face? Where is God? Or, or where was God when that happened to me? Are you sleeping, Jesus? And I think it's with those same thoughts, those same emotions, with this fear like something is happening here, but Jesus is sleeping. Jesus is sleeping. Mark the city, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion and they woke him and said to him teacher do you not care that we are perishing and it's so profound that they used his words teacher I wouldn't have used an article there or a, 
Like, I was like, do you not care that we are parasites? Why are you sleeping? Like, what are you doing? It's, it's just like this really interesting concept. But what I believe is happening is this word teacher actually comes like this word rabbi. It's like the good teacher. Because they've heard him preach good stories. They've heard him say good things. They heard him say all these wonderful parables. But now it seems like he's sleeping when he actually should be caring. And, and it's almost like they, they asked Jesus this question, why don't you practice what you preach? Why are you asleep? Why don't you care about us? Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? See, all these storms that we face our lives is allowed by God. And I want to provide a, a sort of like a, a filter that we can discern through on what are the types of storms, what are the origin of storms that we might face. So one of the storms that you might face is because of your obedience. Because you, the disciples, they obey God, then they went and then the storm comes. So because of their obedience, they faced the storm. The second example, it is because of disobedience. Whenever we disobey God, there's, there's not a blessing if we go against God's word. And we face these storms. We wonder, why am I going through this difficult time if I lied or if I... I wanted to use the example, stole the cookies, but that's not that relevant. Let's use an example. If we disobey God and we... We, we have immoral relationships. And then we wonder, why do I have this, this pain in my heart? Why do I have this, this suffering that I'm going through? Why do I have this? Or if we all the day on social media and at the end of the day wondering, why am I feeling depressed? It's because you've not been busy with the things of God. You've been meditating on Instagram. Disobedience. Thirdly, it might be because of shortcomings. And uh, what I mean of shortcomings is sometimes there's just mistakes at hand because we are not God. You are not all-knowing. You're not all-powerful. So shortcomings might be like, maybe you don't want to put now fear into engineering community here tonight. But in my uh, third year and fourth year of engineering, the lecturers would say something like this. You've got... Zero for this question. If you got this wrong in real life, people would have died and you would have gone to jail. And then I'm like, this is just a, this is just a close thought. Like, let's not be that serious, but it was hectic. And it's just like the pressure of signing off a design just, just came on me. Like, there's a weight. Like, and we've actually seen, seen how structures have collapsed because of mistakes that were made. Maybe a, a tsunami came and it broke the structure. Now, we can say if you just knew more, you would have built a better structure. And that's what I mean with this concept of shortcomings. It's just sometimes we face consequences of our mistakes. Might have not been an intentional sin, but it's just a mistake I make. Uh, because of a shortcoming, because I didn't know this would happen. Another example is divine intervention, where, where God comes in and he says, I'm going to use this, I'm going to bring things over your life to test you, to, to build you, to, 
to strengthen your character. And an example like that is if we can go to, to let's say, Noah. Noah, uh, God brought floods and there was a purification. The storm came and there was a purification. See, sometimes God ordains storms into your life to test you, to build character, to produce uh, faith in you. And then lastly, spiritual warfare. Sometimes, and, and there's a reason I put it last, because it's so easy to say, no, it's a spiritual attack, but I want us to go through the first four and then the spiritual warfare, is that there is a fight against principalities. And on campus the other day, I said like this, like, any other religion where we are not worshipping the Lord, the Savior, Christ, the devil doesn't care. Like, it doesn't care to bring a resistance to, to, to other either ideologies or any other theism or thing. Like, the devil doesn't care. Like, it's not a, a challenge for him. Like, he's just allowing. There's no resistance for Islam or any other religion to continue because the devil wants that to continue because it's taking off the focus on the worship of God. But with Christianity, you are bound to face resistance because you are going in a different direction than that the world wants or what the devil wants and therefore you will sometimes face storms which is a spiritual warfare that you have to attack it in the spirit. And we need to discern through these James 1 verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So God calls us, doesn't matter what type of storm it is, God calls us to stay steadfast, to endure. There's an um, example I want to use. It's quite recent, Adena. Uh, Libya, it's really from September. Um, now, it's estimated the projection is 11,000 people died. Some of them, they still haven't found, so just that they assume they, they, they died. They perished in, in what began as a natural disaster, a, a storm. Uh, but there was two damn walls that, that collapsed uh, because of the storm. Now, there is actually persecution currently happening because there's evidence that there was cracks before the storm and the maintenance plan wasn't followed and there was actually funding provided from the government government to do maintenance and because of maybe lack of administration, corruption or just not um, diligence, just negligence, these two bridges collapsed. And I'm thinking of those multiple 11,000 people. I'm thinking of them. Where, where did they go? Are they, like, are they okay? Thinking of their families, what they are going through, the pain, the suffering of the multitudes of people that is just processing this. And it's so easy to blame God for the suffering that we go through. But it's so, uh, the reason why I say this, I want to be insensitive, is that sometimes it was just man's error. It was sin in people's hearts. It was corruption. It was the cause of man's negligence that 11,000 people perished. And here's what storms do to us. They remind us that we need God. 
See, the storms in your life needs to remind you that you need God. You need a sovereign God that is almighty, all-powerful, and has all authority. There's this quote that, quote, that every natural disaster is not merely a reminder of the immediate result of sin, the consequences of sin, but a solemn warning of the ultimate result of sin. See, when natural disasters come in, we, we, we are exposed to destruction, and this should remind us, it's a warning on where are the people heading, what's happening, what's the ultimate destruction, what's the ultimate result of sin, and that is eternal separation from God. So when we face storms, when we keep James 1 verse 12 in mind, it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast. And that's my prayer for you, that you would remain steadfast. I don't know what each of you are going through, but my prayer is that God will really strengthen you to remain steadfast as you, as you go through this storm. And going through the storm is what God calls us. And at the end, you will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. May we discern what storm are we going through and may we remain steadfast in it. I want to see if we can look at the painting by Rembrandt. Um, maybe we can turn down the lights, but thanks, Martin. As they're going to the lights and the, the spots as well, Rembrandt, he, he painted this in 1633, and uh, what you see, it's, it's a capture of the Storm of Galilee, of what we just read in Mark. And he very intentionally connected the diagonal corners to one another, and, and at the bottom triangle, it's, it's quite dark, it's quite, it paints the picture of terror, of distress, of danger. And then at the, the top triangle, you'll see a glimpse of light. There's an opening. There's this yellow shade in that corner. And what I want to say in your storm is that yellow shade, that's a sign of hope. There is hope for everyone that is going through the storm. And my prayer for you is that you will see that opening. You will see that, that shimmer of light. See, firstly, God's word, it provides direction. God's will, it allows storms. And then thirdly, the hope that we have is that God's sovereignty provides salvation. See, what Jesus does here, thanks, you can put the lights on. Mark 4, verse 39, he said, And he awoke and he rebuked the wind of the, the disciples who awoke him. And as Jesus came up, he said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? See, God's sovereignty, it provides salvation. And I can just think of the disciples in that moment on Jesus coming and saying this. He said, Do you know what we just went through? Like, well, what are you going and and at that moment where Jesus just comes and he says to the storm, he says, peace, be still. And the, the seas obeyed. The winds obey. Why? Because God is sovereign and he brings salvation. When this happened, 
something clicked in the disciples' hearts as they asked one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? See, before this, Jesus was a teacher, just good words, good thoughts, good thinking, good, good, great guy to be around. They believed that he is the Son of God, but they really just saw him as just another man. And then this, this moment comes in where there is this calmness over the sea, just silent. And they have this conviction that saying that even the seas and the wind obey him. This moment I realized that Jesus, he is fully man and he is fully God. That he is sovereign. And it's only because of that reason, because he is fully man and fully God, that he can, through sovereignty, bring salvation to the world. So 1 Peter 2 verse 24 says, He himself, that's Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, and by his wounds you have been healed. And what is beautiful about this picture for me is that we, we are exposed in this, this small part of Jesus' human side because he needed sleep. Because he, after a hard day of labor, after preaching, he needed to sleep on a cushion. Amen? Yes, we can sleep. We are allowed to sleep. Zach yawning. And this is actually such a profound truth that we realize that Jesus was fully man. That means he went through the storms that you were going through, were going to go through. He went through the storms that you are currently going through. He went through the storms that you are going to go through. Is that Jesus, fully man, experienced it not as God and divine and is all powerful, but he humbled himself and said, "I am doing this for man." He bore the sins in his physical body. Body. He bore every one of us the consequences of sin on himself. On one side we see he's fully man, he's, he needs sleep. On the other side we're exposed to Jesus being fully God and have authority over the wind and the seas. And I felt like, as I was just thinking of this, is that God has a authority over your storms. He has the ability to, to press a pause button. He has the ability to wipe it out. He has the ability. And, and there should be a reason why God is not taking that storm away from you. When the disciples were faced with the storm, they went to Jesus. They were fear. And this fear shows us that there was real emotions and the emotions that you are feeling, that is real emotions. And when we go through difficult times, our emotions usually reveal more to us than we would like to uh, expose. If I am going through this and I feel anxious, what is that emotion telling me about what I believe about this storm? And I believe that is why Jesus responded in saying, says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Because they were in fear and trembling coming to Jesus and he told them, 
Where is your faith? Or you, do you still lack faith? Now faith, Hebrews 11 tells us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And in, in our storms and in our difficulties, it might not seem, you might not see the breakthrough, you might not see uh, that shimmer of hope, but this, this is the moment where faith in God comes in and saying, God, I'm going through this. I'm steadfast because I'm holding on to you and not on my understanding of this storm. See, when we are steadfast, we're saying we are going through the storm because God is sovereign, because my salvation is in God. My hope is in him. See, God's word, it's, it directs us and God calls us to go to the other side. He's calling us closer to him. He's calling us to live a life of holiness. And storms usually reveal who is the captain of the ship. Because everyone goes to the captain and say, A captain, what now? And my question tonight is like, where do you go to in your storm? Who rules your heart? What do you go to when you face difficult challenges? What's your default? What do you rely on? Is it... Is it a relationship? Is it a, a thing? Is it some, something from creation? Is it a, a phone? Is it a food? There is different things that we can run to, but it will always leave us in more confusion than hope and clarity and our faith in God. See, this tension between the free will and in the choices we can make and the choices we should make, that God directs our steps. He directs us so that we can avoid the storms that His Word is protecting us from. On the other side, we have the this problem of pain. And, and what I want to say about pain is that whatever pain that you've gone through is that God can redeem it. See, if God was not the ruler of the world, if God did not die on that cross, then pain would just be another thing added to your trauma, added to your life. But because of the, the cross, because of the crucifixion, because Jesus paid the penalty, there is a the sovereign thing that God does that he can redeem the pain. I'm not saying that, that the pain that you've experienced or the pain that you are experiencing, it is just cheap and it can just be redeemed by this because the price that Christ paid was quite expensive. He gave his life. Example of this is um, my parents was uh, divorced when I was seven and and uh, obviously that was painful and some other things that I can say through my life that, that was painful. But I've seen how God has guided me and directed me uh, into a spiritual family where uh, someone else would take the role of spiritual leader, which my father should have taken in an ideal world. I see how God has brought people around me that brings the support, that brings the the, the leadership that I needed. And they, I have great models. And and me at release, we, we had the privilege of going to a couple. We, when we actually could have gone to our parents, but we did not trust their input, we just went to spiritual family. That's one side is that God has given us the church as a, as a way for us 
to experience family. That's one way. The other way that God sometimes redeems us is the pain that you faced. He is giving you the ability to go and minister to the world that faces the same pain. I didn't want to use this as an example, but, but I think it should be okay with it. This morning I had the privilege to dedicate a, uh, a child, uh, and the, the, the mother was the only person here, not the father. And I, and I know the background, I know the context, and, and my heart was, was burning for this child because I know what he's going to face, the different moments where the father is not going to be, not the first step, not the first year at school, not university. And I pray that this compassion we feel to those who face the same pain, that we won't be silent, but that we would go and minister into this world. And the, the sovereignty of God, it brings salvation not just to our hearts and to us, but through the church, he is bringing salvation to the world. See, this is the gospel that God did a thing that he always promised to do and is still doing a new thing because of the price that he paid. Let's pray. See, God's word, it provides direction. God allows storms in our lives, pain, suffering. He allows it. But I'm thankful that because of because God is sovereign, He made a way. He made a way for us to find healing, find salvation, find purpose. And because God is sovereign, He is the only one that can direct, that can protect, and can save us. And we just have to let Him lead. This Father, this moment we declare that you are sovereign. We might have different emotions, different feelings, different thoughts running through our minds of, of history of where you've maybe not pitched up. Challenges that we are currently facing in it and we, we don't have hope. And Lord, you know and I see everyone's hearts, you see everyone's thoughts, you see everyone's emotions. And I pray, Lord, that the, the gap between our understanding and the, the biblical truth that you are suffering, I pray that you would increase our faith to fill that gap. In this room tonight, Lord, I pray for faith to arise. Faith being the assurance of things hopeful. Lord, I pray that, that the church, that, that we as the church, Lord, we would have a steadfastness in you. You, Jesus, you are the anchor of our hope. It is you only, Lord, that can bring healing in our hearts. Lord, and I pray just the increase of faith in this room. The places where we've given up, the places where we've let go, the places where we we just don't know the answer. I pray, Lord, for faith to arise in our hearts. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are the comforter. And I pray that in this moment, Holy Spirit, that you would come and bring 
comfort. Come and minister to your people tonight, Holy Spirit. Come and bring comfort, Lord, to the pain that we are facing, to the, the gaps that we are feeling, Lord. And, and in faith, Lord, we receive this comfort. In faith, Holy Spirit, receive your grace. And lastly, God, I pray that you would give us wisdom, give us insight, give us an understanding of how we as a church, we can minister into the areas of pain of our society. Because you are sovereign, you are all-powerful, all-knowing, and you have all authority. We surrender to you. We give up our control. We say it is yours.